you are listening to By the Book. Because if you don't look at the world through the Bible, you will never see it right. Welcome to By the Book. This is your host for episode 66, Alan Griffith. Glad you're listening. We've been talking about being saved. I hope you're saved. If you are saved, let me remind you of some things that happened the very moment you got saved. You were redeemed, justified, reconciled, forgiven, born again, regenerated. You became an heir of God. You received the spirit of adoption, and the adoption will come in glory. You became accepted or acceptable to God in Christ. You were baptized or placed into the body of Christ, which is the church. You were sealed by the Holy Spirit, so you are now secure. You'll never lose your salvation. You are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You are sanctified. You're set apart to God. You have been delivered from the power of darkness, and you are a citizen of heaven. You're just a stranger and a pilgrim here on this earth. What a wonderful salvation God has given us. And again, I hope you are saved. Now, today in this episode, I want to talk to you about our response to our own salvation. It's wonderful to be saved, and eternal life, as we've pointed out, is a gift And I think that's where most people stumble over salvation, to accept the fact that what they've done religiously or in a good life or whatever is not sufficient to get saved. And in fact, just the opposite, eternal life, salvation is a gift from God. God wants to give it to whoever will receive it. And I'll never get over that. Sometimes people say, well, that's too simple. Well, it's simple because the price that needed to be paid was paid by Jesus Christ. It's a price you can't pay. He did pay it, and now it's secure in God's hands, and he says, I want to give it to you if you will receive it. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I hope you've received it. So, If you are saved, if you are all these things that we just went through, uh, how do you respond? What are we supposed to do in response to that salvation? Well, I want to read to you from two verses I mentioned in the last episode that you might get a head start by turning and reading these verses. They are verses that are known and quoted by many people. And I wonder how many have actually responded to the challenge that is given here. It's a challenge from the Apostle Paul. It's recorded for us in Romans 12. He has just given the great message of salvation. And now he says in chapter 12 and verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Now, these are brethren. That means these are saved people. Paul says, I beseech you. That's not a command. Uh, It's a word that is an exhortation. It is not a command, but it's kind of beseeching you, and then he has a 
a basis for making that challenge. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. So what he's saying is, you are one of the brethren. You've gotten saved. You have experienced the mercies of God. You don't deserve to be saved. Nobody does. We deserve judgment. We deserve going to hell. And God comes to us with his grace and mercy, offering us salvation. And we receive it by faith. And then Paul comes along and says, okay, you have experienced the mercy of God. And on the basis of that, I want to exhort you to do something. And what is it? He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that, here it is, you present, the emphasis of that term is once for all, you present, the further idea of that term is to present as a sacrifice. He said, I am beseeching you that you present as a sacrifice your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, and then I'll never get over this next statement, which is your reasonable service. All right, let's talk about the terms, because I want you to think about this. Have you done this? Has there been a time since you were saved? This is not part of salvation. Again, this is for the believer, one of the brethren. Have you obeyed the scripture? Have you presented your body? So let's talk about it. Paul says, present your body as a living sacrifice. Now, normally, sacrifices in religion are dead, dead sacrifices. The whole Old Testament system had to do with dead sacrifices. God doesn't want dead sacrifices. There are still those who are making sacrifices to God in uh, in that vein. God doesn't want dead sacrifices. There's been one sacrifice made forever for sin, and that's the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have received the benefit of that sacrifice when you got saved. So now Paul comes and says, okay, you're saved. I am exhorting you to present your body. Now, what's the body? Well, the body is that which we actually live in. Our soul is in our body, but our body is that which puts us in contact with the world. It's the way we we function in the world. We have the ability to see, to hear, to taste, to touch, to smell, and so on. The body gives us a, a consciousness of the world. It's how we deal with people, how we live our life. So Paul says, well, I want that body. Or I should say, perhaps better, God wants that body. God wants your ability to see and hear and touch and taste and smell. God wants that given over to him, a living sacrifice. Now, when you make the sacrifice, you are giving it up. It's not going to be yours anymore. 
So God says, first of all, I want your body and I want it as a living sacrifice. And then he says, however, there's some qualifications. He says it needs to be holy. Our body needs to be holy. That term holy is related to being sanctified. We talked about that. You get sanctified when you get saved. You get a once-for-all separation to God, once-for-all set-apart to God. But now the challenge is, I want you to live that in your life. I want you to live that through your body. A lot of people today don't like the term separation. It's in the Bible, but a lot of people don't like that term. But we are supposed to be a separated people. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be different from what we once were. And as we'll see in a moment, we're supposed to be different than the world around us. Now, separation includes separation from. Okay, I'm going to separate from. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to go there anymore, whatever. I'm going to separate from. But let me tell you, the, the real emphasis of the term is a separation to. Yes, I live separated from a lot of things, but it's because I'm seeking to live separated to God. I want to live for God. I want to honor God. I want to serve God. And the simple fact is that you and I cannot honor and serve God if we are doing things that belong to this world, this world system. So Paul says, are you saved? Yes, I'm saved. Okay, I want you to present your body as a living sacrifice. I want you to live for God in a sacrificial way, and I want you to be holy. I want you to be separated from the wrong things, separated to the right things, or in a, a better way, separated to God. And then he says, acceptable unto God. Now, we have seen in our salvation, we become acceptable to God in salvation by being in Christ, by being saved. But now God says, but I want you to live a life every day that is acceptable to me. Now, the term acceptable really carries with it the idea of pleasing. Uh, We either please ourselves or we please other people or we please God. Now, it can be tough to live a life of, of not pleasing people. There's a lot of demands that are put on us in life. There's a lot of expectations that people have for us. And so here I am. Do I please people? Do I please God? Well, it's okay to please people as long as I can do that in the context of pleasing God. If I have to make a choice, and many times we do, am I going to please those people 
They have expectations. They have demands. Friendship might be at stake here. A job promotion might be at stake here. But if I have to choose between pleasing people and pleasing God, I am going to please God. That's what Paul's asking for. Now, what about pleasing myself? There are a lot of people who live strictly out of a desire to please themselves, to uh, make themselves happy. <clears throat> Many people live on the basis of emotion. They, they do whatever they feel like doing, and they don't do what they don't feel like doing. Well, sometimes we have to make the choice. We make the choice by trying to understand if there's a difference between what I want to do and what God wants me to do. And sometimes we have to face the reality that what I want to do isn't in harmony with God at all. And so I have to live a life that is acceptable, it's well-pleasing to God. Now, I'm reminded in Scripture that I am supposed to watch and pray that I don't fall into temptation and go the wrong direction, because the Lord Jesus said, and this is true of me and true of you, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And many times within our spirit, within ourselves, we want to do right. But then the pressure comes, might be self-imposed pressure, pressure from somebody else, but the pressure comes. Am I going to do what I know pleases God, or am I going to do what pleases myself? Or pleases people. Now, Paul is trying to challenge us with this as kind of a, a one time presentation. We're going to face daily pressures, but from deep within, we need to make this kind of a commitment. I am going to sacrifice myself to God to live for Him. I want to be holy, I want to be well pleasing to God. That's my commitment, that is my desire. It's going to be a battle, absolutely, but that's where I want to be. And then Paul finishes verse 1 with this statement, and this is a powerful statement. He says this, which, this presentation of your body as a living sacrifice, which is, he says, your reasonable service. Listen, I am blessed. Whenever I see somebody respond to an invitation and I find out that they are surrendering to the Lord, they're already saved, but they're surrendering to the Lord. I read a, a post from a gal the other day, and she was posting her joy that her son was, quote, rededicating his life to the Lord. Evidently, he had dedicated his life to the Lord. He kind of followed the Romans 12.1, but he got in trouble, started going the wrong way, ended up in sin or whatever it might have been. And now he's facing that, and he's in a sense trying to take this step again. God wants us to live in such a way we take this step and we never back away from it. This is our commitment. This is our life. And it is, careful now, it's no big deal. Now, again, it's a big deal when I see somebody doing it, 
But overall, what God is telling me is, look, this is your reasonable service. You have been saved. You have experienced the mercy of God. And God is now saying to you, okay, you're saved. Now present your body to me. Present your life to me. Have you done that? Have you made that kind of a commitment? Now, Paul's going to go on and and qualify it a little bit more. Here's what he says in verse 2, and again, a very, very powerful statement. He says, and be not conformed to this world. Now, let me talk about the world for a moment. A couple of different terms in our Bible that is translated world. One of them has to do with the whole system, the whole world. And that includes business and education and entertainment and politics and religion and whatever it is, just the world operating. And and today the world is operating in the depths of sin. That's one word. That's not the word that is found here. The, the word that is found here is related to that word and that concept. But the term world found in Romans 12, 2 is a term that means the world as it is currently. The term can be translated age. Be not conformed to this age. I want to tell you something. The world is always moving. It's always been anti-God and anti-Christ, but it is always moving. It is always changing, and it is not getting better. It is getting worse and worse and worse. You look today at the immorality, the ungodliness, the wickedness, the corruption, the, the filth that's just deepening and deepening and deepening in our society here in this country and, no doubt, around the world. Well, there was a time when a lot of things that are acceptable today were not acceptable five years ago, 10 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever it might be. But the world is changing. I like to put it this way. It's always putting on a new face. It's always different, different from one week to the next almost. So here's what he's saying. He's saying, now you're a Christian. You've been saved, saved by the mercies of God. He said, I don't want you to be conformed to this world. I don't want you to be conformed to this age in which we are living with all of its wickedness. Don't be like the people around you. Now, the word conformed, what's that mean? Well, it basically means the idea of being pushed into the mold. So he's saying to us, don't be pushed into the mold of the world as it is today. Now, let me tell you, that challenge is contrary to the attitude of many Christians and many churches. There are people who think the way you win the unsaved is to live like them. And if you live like them, then somehow you're showing them that that everybody is acceptable to God and, and you can be the way you are and that'll be fine. That's not the message of the Bible. 
The message of the Bible is that we are not like the world. We've been saved out of it, and we are different in attitude and ways and actions and so on. And we live differently so the world can see what Christ can do in a life. Now, it's true. They might look at us and say, I don't want that. I don't want that salvation. I don't want that change. Okay, that's their choice. But what you and I are told is, don't you be like the people and the movements of the day. You be different because you belong to God. And I'm not going to get into a a whole list of things in this podcast. You know what is good and godly. You know what is wicked and evil and immoral. You know. And if you don't know, you don't have to go by what I say. I could give you a list, but you don't have to do that because the standard of God is written for us. It's in the Bible. And if you really want to know how God wants you to live, you get in the Bible, you measure your thinking and your views and your values against what the Bible says, and when you see the difference, choose what the Bible says. Choose the Word of God. Choose the way of God. Don't be conformed to this world. And I want to tell you, I see it all over the place. It's very, very sad to me. And there's nobody perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. We never will be this side of heaven. But we want to live for God. We want to live differently for the glory of God. So in contrast to the beginning of verse 2, where Paul says, be not conformed to this world, he says, but, he said, here's what you need to do. He said, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. I love the word transformed. Are you familiar with the time when the Lord Jesus took Peter and James and John up into a mountain and he was transfigured before them? What happened? Well, he went up looking just like every other man looks. And then he gets up to the top of this mountain and he is transfigured. And what happens? His glory as deity is all of a sudden put forth for the other men to see. The brilliance, the brightness of the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ. John wrote about it. He said, we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Well, what happened that day? Here's what happened. The Lord Jesus was deity. He was God on the inside. But outside, what people saw was his humanity. Now, he's the God-man, but he lived portraying himself in his humanity, except for those few moments where he took Peter, James, and John up to that mountain, and all of a sudden, his deity shone forth. So what happened? The reality of what he was on the inside 
was all of a sudden put on display on the outside, transformed. Now, I want you to think about yourself as a Christian. What is the reality of you inside? What's the reality of you as a saved person? Well, we could go through the list that we talked about over the last couple of weeks. We could say, oh, well, I'm redeemed and justified and reconciled and forgiven and born again. And yeah, and that's that's true. That's what you are on the inside. Now, the question is, are you portraying that on the outside? When somebody looks at you and the way you live, do they say, you know what? That person is obviously justified and forgiven and he's reconciled to God and he's born again. And can they see that? Well, this challenge is, is simply this. Let that reality on the inside show up on the outside, just like the transfiguration of Christ. The reality of what he was on the inside all of a sudden was portrayed on the outside. That's the challenge for us as a Christian. What we are within, the reality of our salvation needs to be put on display in front of people who need the Lord Jesus Christ and in front of people who are already saved. Now, here's what he he says to us then as the verse goes on, because how does this happen? He said, be ye transformed. It won't take place in a moment like it did with the Lord Jesus. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, a change in the way we think. Now, before I was saved, I, I thought a certain way, and I thought that I thought right. But you know what? As I grew as a Christian, I'm sure you're experiencing it. As we grow as a Christian, what happens? Our thinking changes. Our understanding changes. We are gradually being renewed and changed as we study the Scriptures, as the Spirit of God who lives in us works in us, And he gradually brings about this transformation. And that's what Paul is telling us that God wants from us as born-again Christians. Now, he goes on and indicates how important this is. He says in the last part of verse 2 that you may prove. The idea of that is that you may test and find out. You become able now to discern and to understand again what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad. So he says you need this renewing of your mind so that you can prove, you can test and find out what's good, what's bad with this in mind. Prove that which is good, find out what is good, And then you'll find out what is acceptable, and you'll find out what is the perfect will of God. What could be more important than knowing how God wants us to live and then living that way? To make the right choices, to see those things that we don't want to be a part of and we should not be a part of, and we 
we separate from them, we turn away from them, and we turn to God with the desire to be what he wants us to be, to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect desire of God for our lives. Now, we can't do that unless there's a transformation of our mind. And how's that come? That comes by the Holy Spirit using the Word of God in us as we study it and read it, we hear it taught, we hear it preached. The Spirit of God takes the Word of God and gradually is going to change really everything about me. Listen, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul now writing to the church at Corinth, and here's what he says in verses 19 and 20. He says, what? He asks the question, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For you are bought with a price. You've been redeemed. We talked about that. Therefore, glorify God. Glorify God. Magnify God. Glorify God in your body. That's the external. In your spirit. That's the internal. Which, both of which, are God's. Are you saved? And do you rejoice in that salvation? Well, you know, salvation is not simply the idea of, oh boy, if I die today, I'm going to heaven. That's a great part of it. You should have that assurance and that certainty. But salvation is also this. It's a life. God has given us life, and it is a life to be lived. And God says, here's what I expect of you. You have received my mercy. Now I want you to surrender your life to me. Just like there was a time when you got saved, I suggest to you there needs to be a time when you get before God and you say, Lord, here's my life. I lay it on the altar. I sacrifice to you. I'm not going to live for myself. I'm going to live for you. Listen, that's Christianity needs to be the Christianity that you live and that I live. Lord bless you till next time.